Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning to you, whichever is right for you, wherever is right for you, whenever you are. Welcome to another episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. Whether you're listening from a state other than the state of Virginia or a country other than the United States of America, I want to take just a moment to welcome each and every one of you. You are listening to us as always on WGPL, WPCE, and WBXBAM here in Southern Virginia and Northeastern North Carolina. And we're also heard on the internet at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. You can find us. And if you'd like to hear this episode or any other, you can always uh, uh, tune in to my podcast. You can find them by searching The C.D. Hodges on iTunes or any podcast player on your smart device. Again, you can search The C.D. Hodges and you'll find Marriage and Family Clinic on iTunes or any podcast player on your smart device. As always, Marriage and Family Clinic is here to help you break down and gain enlightenment into your relationship dynamics. Hope to help you. Identify what makes you tick and ultimately help you repair, grow, and perfect your marriage and family relationships. Well, I want to continue to explore the subject of sex. You know God's gift to us that is supposed to enhance our intimacy on a spiritual, physical, and emotional level. I want to continue to deal with the subject of sex. And let me give you a heads up about today's episode. This is a family presentation. It's a family hour. I mean to be good for the whole family, but I feel it fair to warn you that in this episode today, uh, in the current episode, I'm going to be using terms to describe physical anatomy that are real terms. I'm going to use real terms. And so uh, I don't want to catch anybody off guard and I don't want anybody's children to be caught off guard in case you have children listening in. Uh, so you may want to monitor your children here. We're going to talk about two or three things here where we have to use the real names for it. And so I just feel like it's fair to warn you there. But uh, in our continued discussion about sex, let's get into it now. Sex is a mysterious subject. Can't get by it. It's just a mysterious subject. And I think it's mysterious uh, in its existence partly because uh, 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 for one, we're not taught sex as a normal part of life growing up. Uh, we don't have sex education in school, even in church or Sunday school. And please don't think that I'm saying we ought to have the world's view of sex education presented in our elementary schools. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply making the point that we don't learn sex as a normal part of our learning experience while growing up as a child. And the second reason that sex is so mysterious is that uh, 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 the part of sex that we are taught while growing up is so often, more often than not, as a matter of fact, inaccurate and even improbable sometimes. So when we encounter difficulties in our sex life after we get married, those problems are only magnified by our sheer ignorance of the subject. And I want to talk about some of those problem areas today and hopefully offer a helping hand in dealing with them. So today's uh, uh, subject area is problems in sex. And the very first thing that I will say regarding sexual problems or problems in the area of sex is that sexual problems are not some sort of unique phenomenon that only you experience. If you're listening and if you do happen to be one of the many people 
who experience sexual difficulties of one sort or another, you're not alone and there is plenty of help and plenty of hope. Listen, according to the Cleveland Clinic, sexual dysfunction refers to a problem that prevents the couple or the individual from experiencing satisfaction from sexual activity. Let me say that again. Sexual dysfunction refers to a problem that prevents the individual or a couple from experiencing satisfaction from sexual activity. The Cleveland Clinic also estimates that some 43% of women and 31% of men report some degree of sexual dysfunction. Get that picture in your mind. Get that in your mind. 43% of women report experiencing some degree of sexual dysfunction. 31% of men report experiencing some degree of sexual dysfunction. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? That's almost half of women and roughly one-third of men. Almost half the women in the world, or in the United States anyhow, and one-third of men report some degree of sexual dysfunction. So sexual dysfunction is not unique to you. It's not unique at all. And because it's not unique at all, you can rest assured that sexual dysfunction is not the end of your marriage. Sexual dysfunction does not have to mean the end of your marriage unless you fail to act on it. Now, if you fail to act on it, you're inviting some very, 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 very serious problems into your marriage relationship. Some that's going to require unimaginable work and therapy possibly so don't be too proud to take care of and get help if you're experiencing some sort of sexual dysfunction when you notice some sort of sexual dysfunction when you notice something that happens periodically or has happened numerous times or happens from time to time when you notice something that doesn't match what is supposed to happen during sexual intercourse with your husband or with your wife when you notice that the worst thing you can do is nothing When you notice dysfunction in your sex life, the worst thing you can do is nothing. You'd better do something. But let's go back to those statistics. I want want to put those statistics in in focus for you. Let, let, Let me put this in perspective for you. Let's say you attend a church and the membership of that church is 1,000. We're not including the, uh, the children. We're not including the children. There are about 500 women and there are about 500 men. All right? Now, according to these statistics I just gave you from the Cleveland Clinic, about uh, of the 500 men, uh, uh, about oh, 215 of them, or 43%, report having some degree of sexual function. And of the 500 women... 31% or 155 of them report experiencing some degree of sexual dysfunction. All right? Uh, let me make sure I have that right. 500 women, of 500 women, 43% of them or 215 
report having some degree of sexual dysfunction. And of the 500 men, 31% or 155 of them report experiencing some degree of sexual dysfunction. That's almost every other woman and it's almost every third man. Wow. Almost every other woman and almost every third man report having some degree of sexual dysfunction. What does that mean? So here's what it means. If you're in that church of a thousand, the next time you're at church, look down your row and count every other woman. And you're going to be looking at those who report some degree of sexual dysfunction. Count every third man. Count every third man. And you're going to be looking at those who report some degree of sexual dysfunction. Now, now, I just want you to get a picture of what's going on here. Don't go to church and start counting people. Uh, now, when it comes to sexual difficulties and sexual dysfunction, they usually take the form of generally manifest in four categories. Desire, arousal, orgasm, and pain disorders. Desire, arousal, orgasm, and pain disorders. And these issues can affect any age no age is immune to sexual dysfunction, but more often than not, it becomes more prevalent as we age. Let's look at each one of these difficulties. The first sexual problem we want to discuss is low desire. Low desire. This is a person who just doesn't have as much interest in sex as one may think to be normal. Now, normal is a tricky word. I want to be careful with that word normal because it really defies definition. So I'm going to use it very carefully. What's normal to one may be abnormal to another. There is no concrete definition of what's going on here in your sex life. But you know what's right for you. The person with low desire, they'll have sex, but they're not overly enthusiastic about it. And this is due to a number of reasons. They may have been taught that sex is bad since childhood. You know, if you happen to be a little child growing up in your family and you happen to mention the word sex or, or to mention a literal part of the human anatomy and you're told, shut up, don't say that, don't talk that, bad word, bad word. If you're responded to in that way, then that's going to be sealed in your mind. And you're going to grow up thinking sex is bad and you may develop an aversion to sex. Or you may develop a low desire for sex. Your desire for sex won't develop as normal. <laughs> There's that word again. The people with low sex, sex desire will have sex, but they're not going to be enthusiastic about it for a number of reasons. You may have been taught it's bad as a child. And now as an adult, you can't shake the persuasion from your mind. Low desire may also be a side effect of illness or medication. Some women report low desire for sex after being on the pill. And some people just have a natural low level of sex desire. And other reasons for low desire may be more emotionally related than physical. People have low desires for sex sometimes due to emotional problems in their marriages or absence of affection or low levels of trust. Think about this. If there's an absence of affection in your marriage, you're not going to be too enthusiastic about engaging in sex. 
If there is a low level of trust in your marriage, you're not going to be too enthusiastic about engaging in sex. Remember last week I told you that having sex or the sex between the husband and the wife was a way of knowing each other, a way of presenting yourselves to each other, a way of taking away the mask and really getting to know each other. So if you can't have a level of trust in your life, in your marriage relationship, then that lack of trust is going to bleed over into your sexual life and manifest in low sexual desire. In short, one thing I'm trying to tell you is that your whole life experience may affect your level of desire for sex. And continued negative life experiences may very well result in a decreased desire for sex. So if you find yourself with decreased desire for sex, it's a good idea to see a doctor in order to rule out or rule in any possible medical cause. Now I'm going to say that numerous times. I'm going to say that numerous times. Because one thing I want you to get today is that any sexual problem could be a medically related basis. There could be something medical. And if it is medical, you can oftentimes get it treated. Please hear me here. So it's a good idea to see a doctor in the case of any sexual dysfunction to rule in or out medical causes. So if the origin of your desire is medical or your lack of desire if the origin of your lack of desire for sex is medical, then you can get that treated. If medical causes are eliminated, then you and your husband or you and your wife, you're going to need to work together to reduce and eliminate other stressors that are impacting your desire. And one reason that we have husbands and wives for companionship is so that we can have someone to help us walk through the valleys of these difficult stressors in life. Companionship means that I have someone to help me walk through and work through these difficulties in my life because they're going to impact every area of my life, including sex. Now, another issue that may become problematic in a couple's sex life is difficulties in achieving orgasms. For the record, science and experience say both men and women have orgasms. The problem is when either the man or the woman is unable to reach climax or other difficulties with climax during sex, that's an orgasm difficulty. That's the problem. And the situation becomes stressful because you're unable to climax or unable to enjoy climax. Now you have a sexual difficulty. And there are several reasons why women are not able to reach climax during sex. First and foremost, again, there could be a medical basis. There could be a medical basis. All right? That's always first thing to consider. Another problem that's kept quiet is performance issues. Performance anxiety accounts for a lot of women's failure to reach climax. You have anxiety over the issue of reaching climax. And the anxiety over the issue of reaching climax turns into a problem reaching climax. Performance anxiety means a person becomes so worried about sex until they are unable to perform in sex to some degree. You're so worried about getting it right. You're so worried about what's supposed to happen. You're so worried about what did or did not happen in the past that it so affects you uh, uh, psychologically, it so affects you mentally and emotionally that you're unable to perform in the current moment. 
and men's climax issues com commonly revolve around the inability to become erect or to maintain an erection or the inability to ejaculate. More often than not, these issues are medically related for men. The inability to become erect, the inability to maintain an erection, or the inability to ejaculate, more often than not, those are medically related. Those do have a medical basis in men. Okay. However, there is also the mental and the emotional element that you're going to have to concern yourself with that's causing these climax difficulties in men. So please keep that in mind. Now, uh, uh, another climax issue for men is premature ejaculation. Premature ejaculation is definitely a climax issue for men. That means men climax, or excuse me, men ejaculate before they're ready. And this is about the best definition because there is no specific length of time that it should take in order to climax. It's all about the individual. It's all about the couple. However, the man expects not to ejaculate before he and his wife has experienced a certain degree of pleasure. But that degree and that time limit is different for everybody. It's different for everybody. You know what's right with, for you. Now, you know if you've only been in the bed 10 or 15 seconds and you ejaculate, it's probably going to be premature. But then after that, it's all on an individual basis. But it can definitely cause stress and problems in the marriage relationship get some help. And like other sexual difficulties, there is a possible medical basis and definitely an emotional psychological basis under premature ejaculation. I heard the story of a young boy who masturbated. He, he's, he's a young boy, he, he's in puberty, he's masturbating. And he didn't have much privacy in his home because maybe the number of family members or something like that. So when he would masturbate, he'd have to get alone. He'd have to find himself a space and he'd have to do it in a hurry because he doesn't know when someone's going to be around. So to make the long story short, the effect of sneaking and hurrying built up a block in his mind. The effect of sneaking and hurrying stuck with him psychologically. So now that he's married, He's stuck in the mental process of hurrying the process. When he has sex with his wife, now guess what happens? Premature ejaculation. Why? Because in his mind, I must hurry up. I must hurry up. It's just in his mind. That's what he's learned. But rest assured, because he has learned it, he can unlearn it. All right? It's not too much of a stretch of the imagination that once premature ejaculation is experienced, it may lead to performance anxiety. And I think this is especially true in men who pride themselves on their sexual prowess. Men pride themselves on being able to perform in the bed. And when a man has difficulty in this area, he's probably going to be too embarrassed to talk about it. But that's exactly what he's going to have to do. But remember this, man. Again, you are not alone. So get, get delivered from the macho mentality. Get delivered from the, uh, 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 the grunt and the groan, the moan. I'm the man. He, man, all this kind of carrying on. If you're experiencing a particular problem, you are not alone. The Mayo Clinic estimates that premature ejaculations affect about one out of every three men. Told you already, look down your row, one out of every three men has some sort of a problem. 
So just like it is with other problems, don't think that you're the only one. Do not think that you're the only one. Just remember, if the origin of your, your issues, whether it be desire issues, arousal issues, climax issues, or, or, or whatever, if the, des the origin of your issue is medical, then you get it treated. If medical causes are eliminated, then you and your wife or you and your husband, the two of you, you're going to have to work closely together to reduce and eliminate other stressors that are impacting your issues, that are impacting your sex life. Everybody with me? So, uh, uh, there's several ways to help the issue of premature ejaculation. Well, I tell you, I'm just tongue-tied today. Several ways to help the issue of premature ejaculation. First and foremost, again, get medically screened. Check yourself out medically. And then sex therapy may also be helpful, especially in the case of psychological and emotional blocks. A therapist can be helpful. The squeeze technique, along with controlling your breathing, thinking, anxiety, and stress. Control your breathing, control your thinking, control your anxiety, control your stress. All these are helpful techniques to help with premature ejaculation. And I don't have time to talk about or describe the squeeze technique to you in detail, but you could probably Google it and, and find out some details and what it entails. But just some things that can help you. And there are a host of other difficulties in sex, such as difficulties in arousal, difficulties in pain. Here's the deal with sexual difficulties, though. They may be physiological or they may be psychological. And that simply means that in the case of every sexual difficulty, the real problem may be medically related or the real problem uh, 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 may be psychologically related. It may be medically related or may, it may be how you think, feel, and believe. Medically related problems can be treated. And the way you think, feel, and believe can be changed. You learned it, you can unlearn it. The way you think, feel, and believe about sex may be the result of early childhood education. Negative sexual experiences, sexual abuse, or just being exposed to sexual activity at an inappropriate age or inappropriate time in your life. That helped form the way you think, feel, and believe about sex. And that's impacting your current sexual life. And your sexual life is not as fulfilling, not as satisfying as you would like it to be. It can be fixed. It can be helped. And I'm saying to you, listen, men and women. Men and women have sexual performance issues. More common than you think. Keep remembering those stats. Remember those stats from earlier. Almost half the women, almost a third of the men experience some sort of sexual dysfunction to some degree or another. And there's a whole lot more information that I could pass on this subject. However, I didn't do that for a reason. My main objective here in this episode is to encourage you that if you have sexual difficulties, you are not alone. It is more common than you think. Look down your row. Third of men, half of women. It happens. It happens. But here's the deal. Whatever your difficulty may be, the first thing to do is get yourself checked out medically. Because if it's a medical thing, again, it can be treated. 
And you don't want, and just in case it is medically related, you don't want something that you think is benign over here to really impact something over there in another part of your life. So get yourself checked medically. And again, if you can eliminate the medical causes, it's psychological. If you can eliminate the medical causes, then it must be psychological. And when I say that your sexual difficulty must be psychologically based, I'm saying to you that something has impacted the way you think, feel, and believe about the issue of sex. Something to do with stressors in your life. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's something going on outside the family. Maybe something going on in the family. Something is impacting on the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you believe. And that's bleeding over into your sex life. You have to tend to those stressors. You and your husband, you and your wife, you're going to need to work together to reduce and eliminate stressors that are impacting your sex life. Take the time to talk with one another, support one another, walk with each other through these difficulties. I've said several times that the purpose of sex is to enhance a couple's level of intimacy, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. As such, sex is not the only tool a couple may use to enhance intimacy and increase desire. I want to share something really sweet with you. I want to share something really good with you. In the book, Sexuality and Relationship Counseling by Dr. Tim Clinton and Dr. Mark Lasher, those writers, the two writers share what they call God's natural aphrodisiacs that may help increase sexual satisfaction. There's four things, time, talk, touch, and tenderness. Time, talk, touch, and tenderness. You know what an aphrodisiac is, something that you ingest, something that increases your desire for sexual activity. You see that on TV or in the movies or something, smell a flower, eat something, drink something, and all of a sudden you want to have a lot of sex. So God's natural aphrodisiacs, time, talk, touch, and tenderness. Time. A couple must commit time to each other. Men have to get over the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am mentality and understand the value of time. I have a fire pit at home. I use little pieces of thin wood called kindling to start the fire. And the kindling catches fire easily and burns quickly. And then I use a lot of kindling to start the large logs to burn. Because they take more time to catch fire. Kindling is all burned up and the large logs are barely burning at all. And when it comes to sex, men are like kindling. They ignite and burn out fast. Women are more like the large logs. They go through a lot of kindling just to get a fire started. So remember that, men. No more wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Give her time. Talk. Pillow talk. Take pillow talk seriously. Last week we learned from the sex prayer that sex starts before we ever get to bed. So learn the value of talking and sharing each other's lives. Emotional intercoursing will always lead to more fulfilling physical intercoursing. Wow. Emotional intercoursing will always lead to more fulfilling physical intercoursing. So sex begins before you ever get to the bed. And it's all about the way that you talk with one another and communicate one another. Remember the sex prayer? That look that you give one another across a crowded room? Keep that in mind. And then there's touch. 
Babies thrive on touch and so do couples. Holding hands, rubbing each other's back, little kisses, stroking hair, caressing your favorite part of his or her body. These are all non-sexual forms of touching. And you should get into and enjoy non-sexual touching to help the two of you bond with each other. Tenderness. Arthur Ingrid, Ingrid Tobridge, Trobish, mispronounced her name, but she writes, The greatest erogenous zone in a woman's body is her heart. The greatest erogenous zone, and an erogenous zone is an area that's really sensitive to the touch. A person can get aroused by simply touching that area. So this writer says the greatest erogenous zone in a woman's body is her heart. Again, sex is a means to an end. It's not the end of all, and the end is marital intimacy. The end is marital intimacy, and sex is a means to that end. Tenderness joins sex as an intimacy builder. Tenderness joins with sex as an intimacy builder. Tenderness is the gentle interaction, the kindness. It all goes a long, long way to enhancing intimacy. Listen, if you want a more fulfilling sexual experience in the bedroom, start making it happen before you ever get to the bedroom. Remember, God's natural aphrodisiacs, time, talk, touch, and tenderness. Hey, listen, I'm out of time today. I've got to get out of here, but appreciate you joining with me. Hope something's been said to encourage you. Listen, I need some feedback. Email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Inbox me on Facebook. You can find me, Bishop Carl Hodges. I'll be there. If you want to hear this or any other episode, check, me, check out my podcast. You can find them on iTunes. Just search The CD Hodges, The CD Hodges on iTunes or any podcast player. Appreciate you joining me. Got to get out of here. But remember, your life cannot have peace without the Prince of Peace. We're out. God bless you.